Alright, so welcome back to Filmcraft. I'm Matt Ralston again. I'm Latif. I'm Oliver Robertson. And he was our first, second... First. First AD on Party <laughs> Stories. Uh, so we just wanted to bring him on to basically tell you guys what first ADs do and how it went down in our micro-budget film. Uh, yeah. I guess that's really all the introduction needed. So, Oliver, tell him a little bit about yourself and what do you do? Uh, well, I'm a uh, first assistant director working working in the in the local industry, uh, and yeah, I came onto Party Stories pretty pretty close to production. What was it like a week, two weeks before? It was pretty close, which it's for a first AD is always uh, always a bit bit exciting because uh, normally normally as a first you have. You're you're there pretty early from pre-production, but you guys already had someone who who had like was helping you out with that. Yeah, so basically we had uh, Shannon Melissa, and I think the idea initially was that she was going to be first. Or I can't remember how it played out, but we had her on. She did some of the scheduling, and um, but she couldn't do a lot of the shooting. So then we were like, we met you on another set. Yeah, yeah, and you were awesome. So <laughs> we were like, let's get all of her to do it. We got a whole idea and. Yeah, that's how it came down to it. You ended up being first AD, and Shannon ended up being second. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that's 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 how it worked out, and that happens sometimes where sort of your original sort of pick for your first AD might fall through, and someone else comes yeah. in. And uh, in my experience, that is always like it can be a, a very mixed bag because you don't know the person before you whether they did the prep work, but in this case, Shannon did a, a, a good job in sort of setting. Yeah setting everything up and so thankfully I, I didn't have to do too much too much too much scrambling um, but yeah as a first as a first AD uh, usually I come on pretty early in the pre-production process and one of the first things I do is break down the script uh, where essentially I take a bunch of highlighters colored pencils and I go through every scene of the script and I'm marking who's in that scene what's in their hands and Literally, I'm I'm with different different colors uh, and little symbols marking everything that the audience would see or hear in that scene. Okay. And uh, I won't go too too much into breaking down scripts because it's something that's better explained in visuals. And if you want to, if you do want to find out how to break down a script, there's a really good video on the Rocket Jump Film School uh, YouTube page that that can further break down the breakdown process for you yeah um but then what that process does for you as a first ad you should know in every scene like in a way you will kind of know the 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 script better than the writer or the director does (laughs) because you've had to literally think about every single element and so when that the practicality of that in pre-production is your sort of communicating between the director and the various departments, be it art or cinematography, and mm-hmm. you're sort of checking on things, and there might be a little element that might have almost slipped through the cracks, right. but you can you can just say like if there's for instance you're shooting a, a cowboy scene and a vest is mentioned and someone pulls something out of that vest pocket. And you can talk to the director. And it's like, okay, for the costume department, like, well, like, a pocket. yeah, like, is there like, like a pocket on this vest is needed, right? Yeah, and, and 
director might say, oh, I want, like, actually, like, a bunch of pockets on that vest. Or mm-hmm. it's, like... So, like, little things like that. So there's just... Everyone has a clear idea right. of um, what they're supposed to be doing. So when you're breaking down a script like that, what's the <coughs> biggest things you're looking for? I'm guessing, like, characters, location, props. Uh, are there any, like, major, major things you're looking for? Oh, even even things like if music is, is mentioned in the script, mm-hmm. that uh, talking to the director about that. And so you sort of... Even if they they have an idea, sort of maybe fleshing that out, so when they go to a composer later, they they know what they want. Or on the day, we know sort of what musically we're thinking about for that certain scene, uh, and that and if it's written into the script. if it's written into the script, right. if it's written into the script, like there's. Uh, uh, like diegetic music that's yeah. in the scene, like something's playing out of a stereo, or if the writer's written in, like the, the symphonic score swells yeah. and something like that, and making sure that you sort of you you hit those beats because mm-hmm. as yeah as uh, first AD, you sort of are kind of the last line of defense for <laughs> sort of for making sure everything that's on the page makes it into the into the show right. um, and. And and there might be situations where you say like, oh yeah, like we we like where's the like the green mug and the director might say, oh the green mug's like not important. Mm-hmm. And to that point, like you you've done your job because you've you've double checked with them and if they say it's not important, it was just a little like throwaway thing, then that's fine. But that could be a moment where it's like oh, the green mug that sets up the third act. <laughs> and if that gets missed in that earlier scene, that like you might have to do a depending on what it is. I mean, if it's a green mug, you can probably pick it up as an insert. Yeah. But some some little thing might get mi- missed, and then you go into editing, and that's it's huge. It's, it's huge. Yeah. So that that job partially plays to continuity, but as the first AD, it's it's like. It makes your life so much easier when you know these things because what you're also there for is you are sort of the gatekeeper to the director on the set. Right. And so if, if like a million people want to know a million different things, it, it's so much easier if you can answer those questions right away without having to pull the director over every five minutes to say like, is this supposed to be like red or black or yeah. like is like should they be wearing shoes or something along those those lines like if you can answer those questions for those people then you're just taking the stress off your director which goes into another part of your job is trying to make sure the director's life is as easy as possible on the day okay so yeah you've broken down the script what's your next step after that so next up after breaking down the script I, yeah i went on oh, a huge township there uh after after breaking down the script you can start scheduling because you have all the elements in on on paper and you know which actors are in which scene or which characters are in which scenes what the what the locations are and what they have to be and once you've sort of locked down those locations you've locked down your actors uh, and locked down various elements you start to schedule uh, schedule your movie and it's a really, really important process because it can make or break a day. 
Yes, it can. And <laughs> it's it's one it's one of those funny things. Like there are no Oscars for scheduling or, or things like that. Like nobody sees a movie and goes like, "Man, that that must be really well scheduled," because you might uh, you 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 might set up a day where we're all at one location, and depending on where you put those scenes in that day, it may be all in one location, but it can drastically change the order of the day if you put a scene where um, somebody, for instance, is like super, like has just come out of a fight and is super bloody Mm -hmm. and off the top of your day, that's a lot of makeup that has to be done to get them to that that level. Mm -hmm. And if that's the first thing you're doing off the top of the day, you've got a lot of people waiting around, waiting for that makeup to get done. And so in your head, when you're scheduling those things, you estimate like, okay, it might take an hour to set up that makeup what can we shoot at that location in that first hour? And so you're carefully putting together this puzzle right. so that, or dominoes is a better better analogy. Sure. You're, you're setting them up so you can just start the day and everything just rolls along and, and falls, falls into place nicely. So when you're doing that schedule, what's the first thing you look for? Like, do you go by location by actor availability like what's the very first thing you need to keep in mind when you're doing it i i like to go first by by location and obviously bunching together scenes that uh that are all in the same location and then going in from there because you might find you might put um everything in a couple everything in one location and then find out well, that location is only available for X number of hours mm-hmm. and you have to make changes based around that. Or you might find out that everything is like every, one of the actors needed for those scenes is only available for half the day. Mm-hmm. So you you can't like like shooting a half day is, isn't really that productive when you've paid for all this equipment and all yeah. that stuff to be there. True. So... Organizing things, like finding out when you're going to have certain places mm-hmm. and when certain people are available, that that is the key to to scheduling and how long it takes certain things to set up. So it's a lot of going around and talking to different people and f- finding finding out. So whoever is organizing the locations, like they're your biggest your biggest resource and talking to either your casting director or your director depending on sort of how big your production is um about when when certain actors are available because you you might sort of like set everything up so that it's like set up super nicely and uh you've got like everything will be done in like three days but then you find out like oh yeah the one of the actors is only available for that first day and so then you have to rearrange things to accommodate for that for that person or that might be a situation where you say to the director with the amount of material we have and with the locations we have you might have to recast that part because we can't work around this person's mm-hmm. schedule or change when you're going to shoot it I mean those are like drastic yeah, situations because obviously you never you, you don't want to be put in the situation where you have to make the director change 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 actors um, so hopefully you can massage the schedule around those things yeah. are you involved in 
you know, in pre-production before we actually start shooting, do you like do the meetings and stuff and schedule all those things? You know, like a, on on smaller productions, yeah, the AD does does try to corral the meetings and bring people together. Ideally, it, it, once you get larger, the you have a production manager right. and they do a lot of those things. But on a micro budget. You're the first AD, and your job is to assist the director as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And part of taking stress off them is is getting people together, making sure they're going to show up, and making sure your director can just focus on their vision for the film right. and not have to worry about, like, oh, crap, Sally's going to be an hour late. Yeah. And, and, and that kind of stuff. That, that small stuff, you really don't want to have your director sweating that when there's yeah. really other things that they can be focusing on that's going to make their film better. Yeah. In a, in a weird way, it's kind of like a therapist as well, because I can imagine, <laughs> depends on the, the relationship, like a director just getting stressed about something and coming to the AD and be like, this happened, Mike threw a chair at me, I'm freaking out, the scene's going bad, and Oliver's just like, listen, 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 sit down. I got this. We'll get through this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There, there have definitely been situations <laughs> where sort of uh, shits hit the fan and the director's like, oh, we're not going to make our day. Actually, uh, we had a moment like that on the on the last thing me and Oliver worked on. Yeah. Like, I don't want to say names or anything, but like someone freaked out and then me and Oliver just, you know, we did what we did and we finished everything. That was it. Do you find a lot of being the first AD is keeping people calm on set? Yeah, keeping people and keeping sort of set morale because there is sort of this stereotype of like uh, the first AD like yelling at a lot of people and like (laughs) dressing people down. Well, I mean, there have been times like I guess you you guys never worked with me when I've had to do that. Like there have been times when... I've had to raise your voice, yell at people, and like dress them down for 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 not doing their jobs properly, and that's like an extreme. That's that's something you only want to pull out when people have really messed up. Right. What does it take to get to that point? Oh, um, I remember we were shooting. This is a student film that we were shooting out in Mission, and this guy had this like saloon that was actually from one of the Ghost Rider movies and this this guy had done like he'd worked on the choppers or something for it and so after it was done they just said like hey it's on a trailer do you want it and he's like I got a property I could throw it on so we were shooting this western thing in this saloon and people were littering like leaving water bottles and stuff all around the set and I had kept saying to people like please pick up your trash and da 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 like please keep, keep a clear set because we don't want to burn the location which is film speak for um, mess it up so badly that who own, whoever owns the location uh, will never let anyone film there ever again. Which sucks. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. If you if people find out you burned a location, especially a really good location, that that's going to make your life a lot harder in film because yeah. film is in large part relationships. Yeah. Um, but anyway, people were leaving leaving stuff all over the place, and after a certain point, I was like, all right. Everyone stop what you're doing. Come, get in a circle. And I, yeah, I just I just let him have it and said, like, you will keep a clean set. We are not burning this location. Mm. And, like, you may say, oh, we're out in mission. What is, what is he going to do? And I said, I, I will have you sit in the car for the rest of the day <laughs> until we're done here. Yeah. Um, and it's, I'm, like, in that point, you are talking to them, like like their kids exactly but 
it's it's it after after a certain point if people aren't listening to listening to instruction you kind of have to get to that point but that's that's like an, ex, an extreme situation and that rarely happens yeah um and really keeping a good set morale is also in in large part to you because you're the the ringmaster mm-hmm. of of the set and making sure that the actors are coming out of makeup on time and the grip and lx department sort of they they're working yeah. yeah they're working there in fine shape and they know they know what they have to do um i mean you don't have to micromanage them that's mm-hmm. as an ad micromanaging is something that you should try to avoid if possible unless they are actually inexperienced and have not held a C-stand in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but keeping keeping people in good spirits and making sure people aren't getting down and feeling like what they're doing isn't impactful, mm-hmm. you, you want to try and make sure everyone has a feeling that like you're really contributing to our day and making sure that we're going to get this on time and making them feel valued, especially if they're working for free. Right. Yeah. Um, because if people are working for free and they're not being treated very well... Um, or valued, or valued. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really tough because you may you may be feeding them, but they're coming out and giving you their time for free, and you you just you want to yeah. you want to make them feel like a million bucks because then they're gonna go they're gonna go and say it's like yeah I worked on this this low budge thing with with so well, they'll, they'll be proud to share it too. exactly yeah. exactly they'll be yeah. they'll be proud of their work yeah. um, and. As a first AD, it's they feed you in prison. They, they do feed you in prison. Doesn't mean it's a great experience. Um, so yeah, trying to and, and trying to spot those spot those problems before they happen and be the try and be the one who keeps everyone everyone happy. And if you can't keep them happy, at least try to make sure they aren't uh, going to revolt. <laughs> Okay, so let's uh, let's backtrack a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After scheduling, um, what's the next step? Say you know your scheduling's great, everything's locked down. What, what happens next? So after scheduling as the first AD, uh, yeah, just facilitating facilitating pre production and making sure the 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 wheels are turning and everything is uh, everything is looking good for for uh, for going to going to camera and that may be. Double checking with certain departments, making sure things are moving ahead. Uh, like maybe you have a particularly like sensitive grocery store location, right. and you remember like someone said like, "Oh yeah, we have to follow up with them." Talking to whoever's doing your locations and saying, "Did you follow up with them?" Um, because that can make a difference on a day. And I this happened to me on a set where we were supposed to shoot at a grocery store later in the day, mm-hmm. and. Uh, <laughs> We got a we got a phone call partway through the day, and the people at the grocery store, uh, we were going to shoot there after they closed. They'd gone home because so you couldn't get in the store. Well, it was this whole runaround of someone had to leave the set and go to the grocery store to meet the owner there, so someone from our crew would be there. But it was just this whole runaround, which right. put us behind because someone didn't follow up when they were supposed to, mm-hmm. um, and that was on a show where I only had. Um, I was brought into the show five days before we went to camera. That's super, like, early, right? Sorry, like, super late. Super yeah. late, yeah, where... Don't do that, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if To make your life easier, I'll emphasize this, bring on your first AD early, because... How early, like, like... 
I would I would say I mean having them on early does like it can't hurt you. Like if as soon as you have uh, you have your script. You've st- if you've started casting, mm-hmm. bring on bring on a first AD. Unless mm-hmm. unless you're like six months to a year out from shooting. Yeah, yeah. like if the the more prep time your AD has, the better. Yeah. as a rule, because it gives them time more more time to get familiar with the script, uh, more time to get to know the rest of your crew, mm-hmm. um, and. The better they can do those two things, the yeah. better they can perform on the day because they they will know little. They might pick up on little details about your 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 key grip about like well, they don't like this little thing, and that's some something that they can your ad can help you work to avoid on the day. Right, right. So uh, yeah, I, like I find this fascinating because I remember it wasn't when I was in film school for our first term project we'd rotate uh, roles on uh, different sets and when I had to be first AD I was very like I hated the position like I know I'm not someone who should be an AD and I was very cynical and I'd be like we're gonna lose this shot and like I was that guy but it wasn't because I was just mean I was just like fuck I really hate doing this but then like after I met Oliver like I had this weird like man he's really good at this and he like He's really happy too. <laughs> <laughs> Those things don't add up. Uh, well, I, I I do I do grumble every now and then. I mean, there will be situations you'll be in where you have to be the negative guy and say, like, you have to you have to get this shot in the next couple of takes. Otherwise, you have to drop things, yeah. and that's an uncomfortable conversation you might have to have with a director. Is saying, mm-hmm. I know you have this grand vision for what you want for this movie, and I want you to get it. But we have to simplify this, otherwise you're not going to have a movie. You're running out of time kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's... Uh, do you want to move into production? or? Yeah, unless there's anything else that you can think before shooting that you would need to do. Um, before shooting, I guess, uh, like, uh, what happens in that... Like, before every shoot, there's always, like, that one big production meeting, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. what's your role in that whole... Situation? And at the, at the big production meeting... Uh, just as yeah just sort of a facilitator and keeping things moving along as well right because as on set in meetings sort of you know you only have so much time to meet and there's stuff that needs to be accomplished uh and certain people need to say certain things and so like making sure people are staying on topic and even though if everyone's friends like not goofing off too much it's like Sorry, Jeff. I know you had a great time in Bali, but we don't have time to talk about it. Um, so, in, in film school, this was really strange. In our uh, first eighty class, what a class for that position. Yeah. Um, we would have uh, practice production meetings, and they would film them, and then we'd make sure that the meeting was like on time. And after every meeting, we'd watch the whole meeting, like twenty-minute production meeting. And then the AD instructor would be like, this is where you went off topic. Probably didn't need to talk about that and all that kind of stuff. And it was very interesting. Yeah. Because those those meetings are, especially ones where you have everyone there and the director can, can sort of say certain things that put everyone on the same page. That's very valuable time. That, that's something I will also say. As a first AD, meetings are not to be underestimated. Mm-hmm. Like They help a lot. Yeah. Something like... Let me tell you, email is great 
Facebook is great for certain things, yeah. but for working out certain fine details, a a five minute conversation can can go way further. Oh, it can it can solve a problem that you sent twenty emails about. True. Yeah. I mean, it may be tough to get all the parties together to talk about it, mm-hmm. but that work is so worth it when everyone comes out of it and they know, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Plus, like, meeting people, like, before you shoot, like, everyone should meet each other at some point. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And that's probably, like, one of the best moments, because people will get to know each other and kind of see, like, what the crew looks like. Exactly. At the very least, your your key department members, if you can't have your entire crew meet, yeah. um, because those people are going to be working together very closely, and it is, like, it happens where you meet people for the first time on set but ideally you can get everyone to meet each other in advance and put names to faces because it makes the day go go better because maybe someone like on set is like they're just generally stressed when they're on set and then that's the first time you meet them they're like why'd they hire this guy he's in charge (laughs) but really maybe he's just stressed because of the actual circumstances Mm -hmm. so there's a question for you how when is your ideal production meeting? Like two weeks before shooting, three weeks, a day, like one. Don't do a day. <laughs> well, I mean, it can... I mean, your your first big production meeting shouldn't be the day before you shoot. Mm-hmm. But it can be good to have uh, one of those uh, either the day before or a couple days before you go to camera. Just so everyone can come together uh, one last time and sort of... If they have any last-minute concerns that they've thought about, those can be those can be voiced, and everyone will sort of have have a better idea of sort of sort of some of the things you might have to look out for on the day. Just like check in with each other. Yeah, check in with each other. Um, and but I would I would say sort of first big production meeting. Yeah, like three, two or three weeks. Um, if you can, when you have all your key crew members locked. Mm-hmm. If you can have a meeting then, okay. um, so if you if you're a month out and you've you've got all your ducks in a row and you know who is going to be in what role, mm-hmm. just put it out there and just say, hey, can we all get together in the next couple of days and just read through the script? And because that's that's a that's a very valuable thing is to read through the script with your whole crew because uh, they they can ask you questions there. Uh, that that and it might be something where it's not necessarily from their department. Like they, the the key grip might have a suggestion for some something in the art department, and and those those insights, especially if you have a month to fix them, those can be invaluable mm. uh, because everyone can see what you're what you're planning. Hopefully you'll send them the script as well. But there's <laughs> send people the script. Yeah, send people the script. That's a big one. But just having everyone together, having everyone together and talking about the project and getting excited for it yeah. is is a, is a huge factor. But also as the AD, making sure that meeting is not getting too off track. No, we we did that yesterday actually. Table read. We, we did a little read with everyone and for then we just project. discussed. Yeah, for the new feature, and then we discussed everything after for like a good forty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I think it would, it really got everyone amped up. Yeah, yeah everyone totally. in the room was just like, "Yeah, we're so excited to make this project." So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, uh, production meeting happens, and then we're off to production. Is there anything 
you do like right before the first day of shooting? Like so uh, before the first day of shooting, and you should get a you should actually get a start on this while you're scheduling because you are working your, on What's Oliver's checklist before the? He shoots. Like, oh, before day. before I shoot. Well, uh, I I want to have I want to have some kind of script breakdown done, yeah. but that that does take time. And unfortunately, if you, if you're brought on super late, you just don't have time to do that. Um, uh, so yeah, breaking down the script, making your making your schedule, and then from that, getting a start on making your call sheets, mm-hmm. um, and try to have as much of your call sheets done before you go to camera there will be inevitably some adjustments you'll have to make based on uh last minute things to get thrown at you before you go to camera but try to try to at least have uh a really like as fleshed out a blueprint as you can for your call sheet before uh for each day before you go to camera um and a call sheet for those that don't know it is uh, a document that has sort of uh, the schedule for the day, what scenes you're going to be shooting, how long they are, who's in, which actors are in which scene, uh, as well as where you're going to be shooting, uh, when shooting starts. It's, it's, it's basically like a compact master document. Plan. It's a master plan for the day. Yeah. And it, it spe- like specifically lists like when certain, each, when each individual person has to be on set. Yeah. Um, if it's, what props you need to yeah, yeah yeah what props you need what each department needs to needs to be bringing uh, and how to get to set in mm-hmm. in in a lot of cases it'll there'll be a map on there yeah. um, a sort of even like weather and yeah yeah weather like the, the weather forecast what time the sunrise or what time the sun will set because those can be like that's very valuable information if you're yeah if you're waiting for it to get dark outside you can instead of like maybe somewhere where you don't have cell reception or you don't have mm-hmm. Wi-Fi, you can just refer to this document that says, "Okay, the sun will be setting at seven o'clock." And you you had to do that for this film, sorry for party stories, because we only shoot once the sun was basically out of the way. So, yeah, because yeah. that's sometimes on a, on on a lot of big budget stuff. They if you're shooting in a house, they'll black out the windows and make it look dark on the inside. But if you're on a micro budget. You, you don't have a team of people that can do that for you. Exactly. You yeah. you uh, you sometimes just have to go with Mother Nature and let like, the sun go down. For our case as well, like we were just like in a regular house, mm-hmm. so to black out the windows during the daytime and shoot look very weird. Yeah, because yeah. we have big windows and there'd be some ambient light mm-hmm. anyways. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to completely do that. So yeah. we decided to shoot at night. So yeah, and again, that's that's something that you would work out in advance when you scout your location. Oh, that's actually something I should have mentioned earlier. Location scouting uh, as the first AD, making sure there is a location scout and that you go on it. And uh, uh, I said on bigger productions, a production manager would probably organize that, but smaller productions, you and the director should be coordinating on that. And for a location scout, bring... All the key crew members get try and try really hard to make sure that every key crew member can be there for for that because it's your one chance before you go to camera to go through a location and voice concerns voice concerns and yeah. figure out the little things where uh, someone might not think of it but you you arrive on the day and this huge problem is going to set us behind three hours because we have to solve it 
Um, like it could be the difference of you're going through a house and it's an older house and you find out the, the breakers can only take so much wattage. So you mm-hmm. can't really set up big lights in there and you have to figure out there with your gaffer, okay, do we need big lights? Do we have to get a generator that's mm-hmm. going to be outside the house powering these big lights? Yeah, we've yeah. talked about generators before. <laughs> yeah. So refer back to that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Location scouts are not to be uh, not to be skipped, overlooked because some people skip them in general. Oh yeah, no. If skipping, I'm sorry, skipping a location scout is just stupid. Huge mistake. It's something where it can you have an idea going in and it can completely change uh, the direction your your project goes in because you might have a location that you're set on. It's great until you go in there and. Five, diff- five of your department heads are telling you, yeah, if we shoot in here, like, the the building is the building is old. Like, if we have this many bodies in it, it's going to fall down. Yeah. Or, yeah. or, like, it might be that... And if you're doing a location scout, also try to have the whoever the owner or property manager for the location there because they'll be able to answer so many of your questions yeah. uh, super, super easily. Um, or if they can't answer your questions, they know who to talk to to answer those questions rather than you having to find them, ask all these questions, and then it's, it's less of a runaround. Um, so, yeah, location scout going back to production. I guess now we're back. We're on day one now. Yeah. We're on day one. So uh, what happens? You wake up day one. What do you do? You wake up day one, um, and as the, as the first AD, you want to be there... Uh, you want to be there. Ideally, you you want to be the first one there, uh, or amongst the first few people there, because your everyone is supposed to be there at let's say eight o'clock. Right. And if people aren't there at eight o'clock, also on your call sheet, or if for privacy reasons you want to keep this information separate, um, you would have everyone's contact information. But you should have a contact list mm-hmm. of everybody who is a, a part of the production, and if it's 8.05 and the continuity person isn't there, the sound mixer isn't there, you want to be able to like call them up and say, hey, are you okay? Are you just rolling out of bed? Mm-hmm. Uh, those kinds of things. And so you're making sure everyone is there on time and and uh, ready to work. Yeah. Uh, and I guess in that instance too, like one guy is late five minutes it's not the end of the world but no. if you have 50 people and they're all there five minutes late at varying times you know that can set you back hours right exactly so that's that's something to look out for as well are people being are large numbers of people being consistently late mm-hmm. and if that happens two days in a row mm-hmm. if it's like it might be a freak accident one day there's a snowstorm or something unexpected that makes a bunch of people late yeah. but if two three days in a row i would like after two days i would pull the crew aside and say everyone and maybe don't leave it till the end of the day because you might forget because film days are long days and there's a lot going on in your head and by the end of that day it's like okay time to send everyone home so get that out of the way and say everyone we need to be here on time yeah um and you set the call time, right? Yeah, you set the yeah. When you're making your call sheets, you set the call time, and you're the one who's thinking about when people have to be on set because of this time. What time actors need to arrive on set to have their makeup done 
uh, and what time they'll be out of the makeup chair, ready to go to set. And as part of the call sheet, you're setting these benchmarks for yourself, mm-hmm. as you say, as a master plan for the day. So when sort of things are going and people are setting up for the setting up for the scene, you're like, okay, the actor should be done in X number of minutes, and then we'll be ready to go. But part of that is also talking to the makeup department in advance and figuring out what what sort of makeup is the actor getting? How long is it going to take? Because you might sort of set an arbitrary number, but it might be that you didn't realize, I mean, you should know something like this because as part of your breakdown, but if an actor has a big scar or something like that, and that's a that's a big makeup application and that'll time. that'll take time and that's something you need yeah. to you need to factor in. Yeah, like for you, like when you when you do this, it's not just let's set a time and everyone will meet it. Like you have to talk to every person and be like, is this good for you, right? And make sure that they can meet that. Mm-hmm. It's okay. not just like random I'm gonna Don't set a time. Exactly. <laughs> like um, I uh, I worked on something recently where uh, Latif was on this as well, where um, there was uh, a guest a guest actor and the and I just come onto the project and the executive producer was talking to the actor the agent in advance saying like oh your call time is this time no now it's this time no now it's this time and monkeying around with that before I had a chance to figure out what times we had the location for and what times the makeup would need to happen and I like worked that out and I said oh sorry actually the actor should be at said this time and she she said to me like no more no more changing his call time it's going to be this and that <laughs> don't realize it but that's going to really really affect your day because yeah. that's lost time where you can be acquiring footage yeah true and so on on set as a first ad one question that you should forever be holding in your mind why aren't we acquiring footage? Why aren't we shooting right now? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> but but internally, not like oh no 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 no, no. you're not you're what not fucking you guys doing yeah no you shouldn't be marching around the set demanding the cameras be rolling but you're all the time yourself. but you're asking yourself that and you're and you're trying to always be maintaining a little bit of a, a diagnostic of the set and figuring out those those problems and fixing them. Uh, or getting people to fix them so that you can keep things moving. And there may be times where... <laughs> hello. Um, <coughs> hello, hello, Ninja Brian. My cat just started walking around where we're <laughs> um, there, there will be times where you ask yourself that and everyone's moving as fast as they can go. Yeah. Everyone's doing their job. And it's just a matter of like... Letting, letting things happen. Um, because sometimes uh, first ads can really shoot themselves in the foot mm-hmm. because they can uh, they can they can start yelling at people and saying like why aren't you working hard enough da 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 and they are working at but there's of, just not there's just so much you can do I guess right? there, there's only so much you do because if you get angry at people for for doing their job <laughs> at that point fast, exactly right? they're gonna yeah. they're gonna don't lo- do that they're gonna lose respect for you yeah. and they're gonna work slower and I have friends that I've talked to who work in camera and like in pretty much every aspect and they've they've all said they've definitely had a time where they've worked with the first AD who has freaked out who has freaked out <laughs> unnecessarily mm-hmm. yeah. um and I will I will say as a first AD the freak out is a valuable tool 
mm-hmm. but it has a time and a place. Yeah, interesting. It, 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 it there's a time there's a time and a place for it because if you do it at the drop of a dime, people people are gonna know you don't understand what I'm doing. Yeah. You don't know what my job is. You're just getting mad because things aren't happening. And on the other side of that too, if you're always freaking out at everything. If someone comes up to you and is like, man, we got to work faster. The first day, D just freaked out. It'd be like, who fucking cares? He freaks out over everything. <laughs> so like, you know, when, There's no when you do it Oliver's way, when he freaks out, you're like, oh shit, Oliver just freaked out. Because, we should really get our shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, <laughs> like, just as like a, a strategy for first ADs, the freak out is kind of like the the final move in Mortal Kombat. Finisher. Yeah, you it's know? the finisher. <laughs> you, you have to save it. And then when it's time and you've, Quietly ninja your way through the set, and something goes wrong. Then, then you rip their head off, and then they're like, "Holy shit, let's get moving!" Yeah, yeah. And so that, like, hopefully you don't have to pull that out, um, because yeah, you didn't have to on on party stories. No, I didn't because everything was set up in such a way that we were moving, we were moving ahead at at a at a, at a good pace, and and don't get in your head that. There has to be at least one freak out. Like <laughs> ideally, there is zero. Ideally, there is zero freak exactly, outs. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's 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 like not necessarily a pleasant experience. Uh, ter- telling people that they're doing a bad job and they need to do it better, but uh, unfortunately, sometimes it has to happen. Yeah, um, and yeah, it's just a, it's a reality of it. Um, going into so now. Now that we're in day one, yeah, you're on set. Everyone's kind of there. How do you get the day rolling into the shoot? So you should start the day off with a safety meeting, which is uh, because there may have been people who, for some reason, weren't able to make it to the final production meeting, right. or aren't key crew members, and this is their first day working on the project. And it's your opportunity off the top of the day to say like who you are and say like we're glad to have you all here on the project. Also, here's some safety information about this location. As a rule, don't do this. Like, if there are people who are a bit less experienced, stuff like, please don't leave your your personal gear lying around. We've got an area right over here where everyone can put their stuff. Right. Um, and and it, it helps to set the tone for the day. I know I, I know a couple people who like it's eating up time, but it's it's something where. It's your opportunity to 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 f- fix problems before they happen. And it's only five minutes. It's only five minutes. Yeah. Um, and it also gives you an opportunity to say, like, to the director, is there anything you want to say to the crew? Mm-hmm. Um, and there might be a situation. They might say, like, oh no, no, no I'm fine. Thanks for being here, everyone. Or they might have a little a little inspirational thing yeah. to to sort of get everyone going and get everyone excited for the project. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing you should do off the top of the day. And on that note, like where we said it only takes five minutes, I know we said earlier, you know, five minutes can make or break it, but in a sense like this, when you say five minutes, it's like, you know, it only takes five minutes to let your crew know, put your shit here, right? So that costs five minutes, but compared to having 40 or 50 people come up to you and say, hey, where do I put my stuff? And you take two minutes for each person to explain it, like you're saving time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's those, like, those little, those little things where... Instead of it being a question that you repeatedly have to answer, you have to go to 50 different people to tell them, it's a moment where you have everyone together and you can get everyone on the same page at once. Um, And so after that is done, you start on uh, an age-old film protocol called Blocklight Shoot. 
And uh, if you have all your actors, all your keys, you have your director. And by all your actors, I mean all your actors that are needed for the first scene that you are doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You get... Everyone gathers around where the scene is supposed to be happening. uh, And then you let the director and the actors block out the scene. Mm -hmm. And at this point... At this point, they're just doing the steps, the movements of the scene. If you're a director, you don't need to be looking for f- fine performance or or like that little yeah, like that that little something that's mm-hmm. gonna make the scene come alive. Right now, you're just working out where are people going to be at which parts of the scene, and the whole crew is watching your DP is sort of sizing, sort of figuring, thinking about shots in in, in their head. I, I will say I did once well, I'll finish the process before I get into it um, so then they figure out the steps and once the director's happy the directors and the actor the actor and the directors all uh, take off relax go over lines the actors will be going into makeup right. and I will say don't be afraid to take actors out of makeup to block mm-hmm. because if you're waiting for actors to come out of makeup to block you've got a crew standing around doing nothing yeah. yeah. So, makeup can wait for five ten minutes while you figure out the blocking, and once that's done, everyone else can be working while the makeup is getting finished. Yeah. So, blocking is finished. Uh, actors and director go off, and the crew starts setting up the lighting. So we're getting to the light part of block light shoot, setting up the lighting, setting up whatever visual effects stuff or mm-hmm. or sorry special effects stuff yeah. needs to be set up in order to uh, let the scene happen, and they take the time that they need to do that. And um, generally, like, when we did this, you'd come to me and ask me for an estimate. Exactly. On, like, how long it would take me. Yeah. I'd throw you a number. Yeah. And if I said, like, 30 minutes, then you'd just keep track of that while while I was doing it and come check in with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, as the, fir- as the first AD, you're going around and you should you should be checking in with every every department and making sure that they, they're keeping to uh, a rough schedule and... It, taking in those time estimates and knowing, okay, well, the makeup is going to be done in 20 minutes, the lighting, they need half an hour. Um, and so, and if it might be that if you're crunched for time, you have to say, like you ask for an estimate and they say, oh, it's going to be 30 minutes. It's like, you have to do as much as you can in 20. I'm going to be back in 20 minutes. Please try to be done. Because yeah. uh, there, there will definitely be moments where you have to sort of hurry the crew along. Not to the point where it's unsafe, but uh, you you want to keep people on track so you can, again, acquire footage. Because if you don't acquire footage, you don't have a movie. Uh, and so once lighting is done, actors are out of makeup, you're on set, everything's ready to go, you shoot it, you get, uh, get it in a quick number of takes. People will hear about uh, like David Fincher and how David Fincher will take 40 takes until he gets it right. Um, you're not going to have that time on a micro-budget. You're not going to have that, you're not gonna have that time on a micro-budget. And the only reason um, big studios hire David Fincher is because they know in those 40 takes, he'll get it right. Like, yeah. he is pretty, David Fincher. pretty darn flawless. Yeah. But... Um, when you're when you're watching those takes, keep in mind it's cutting together. Unless specifically you know you're using it one shot and it has to work all at once. Uh, like just as long as you've got all the beats that you like over a few different takes, 
it should be fine. And this is more sort of director stuff, but for the first AD, you should be keeping this in mind as well because you should be trying to get behind that monitor when you can and, and watch it. And because you've broken down the script and you know what needs to happen and you've talked to the director, mm -hmm. you are also watching for those, for those moments and keeping in mind, have we captured this information already? Mm -hmm. Has this been acquired? Because it may get to a point where you've got two hours left in the day and you've got two whole scenes to shoot and you have to sit down with the director and say, uh, we need to we need to make this a lot simpler. Mm -hmm. um, or you've got two hours left in the day, and the scene that you're in has thirty shots left. <laughs> like you need to you need to sit down with the director and say, which one of these can we cut? Exactly. Like what what are twenty of these shots doing? Mm -hmm. What are they for? Mm -hmm. And there might like there the director might have a very solid argument for like this this. This, these, this shot or these sequence of shots set up the climax of the film. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay, that's, that's very important, but you prioritize those. Yeah. Um, and uh, when, you're, when, you're, when you're shooting, that's just something you always have to be keeping in your head is sort of how are we doing for time? If you're doing all right, then let things proceed. But don't... If, if, if you're 10 takes in and you've captured the performance in some way. It's just in the last couple takes, the actor goofed on a couple lines. It's like, talk to continuity. Has the director said like, oh, I like X number of takes mm -hmm. or has some combination of takes captured what the director wants to get and you're fine and you can move on. Yeah. Um, and so that, that procedure of block light shoot is, uh, is, is your Bible kind of, Oh, it's, it's tried and true. It's it's been going in this industry for a hundred years, and while it may seem time consuming, it's actually it's going to make you work faster. It's the most efficient way to to shoot a film. Exactly, and whether you have to sometimes you might have to adjust for the blocking and repeat the protocol for a different shot. Sometimes, like a lot of the time, you'll do block light shoot and you only have to block once for the whole scene yeah mm -hmm. sometimes you might have to re-block for certain things but following that block light shoot protocol is going to save you like you wouldn't believe i've uh recently i worked with a dp who did not follow block light shoot and he wanted he set up he wanted to set up a camera mm -hmm. every time that there was a blocking mm -hmm. just so you guys know at home as soon as oliver said that latif cringed so it's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not good because this DP he had to see the blocking through a camera, and already that's a mistake because you're constraining the actors to what the DP is seeing inside that frame. Exactly. the The blocking is meant to be a playground for the for you to find it. For yes, for for the scene to be for the for the movement of the scene to be found and. An actor in blocking might make a great choice. Yeah. Uh, that 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 will just like sell your movie. Right. Uh, but if you've already got a frame yeah. in mind, that that you're already constraining the possibilities of what your director and actors can do in that space. Another thing with with uh, shooting is the DPAD relationship. Yes. Because it can be very fraught because a DP is there to make it look 
as beautiful as it possibly can be and make it the most visually interesting thing it can be. And as the AD, your goal of making sure you make your day and you capture everything on time can it can be at odds with that mm-hmm. because um, if cinematographers had their way, they would take as long as needed. Oh, shoots would go for days. <laughs> um, but the the uh, unfortunate reality is like there's only so much time. Uh, even on a micro budget, there's only so much money uh, yes. to 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 shoot to shoot. Yeah. Yep. Um, and if you are on something where people aren't getting aren't getting paid, and uh, and maybe like if you go for fourteen hours, people aren't getting two hours of overtime pay. These people are giving their time yeah. for free, and it's not fair for you to keep them here. Sometimes they'll, they'll say, I'm, I'm fine with that. And that's their decision to make. Once they've said that, yeah. you just have to adjust, you have to adjust and keep rolling with it. Um, but you've, you've, you said your piece and you've said, this is not going to make people happy and it's going to make your life harder. Yeah. I think it's good in the early stages for the DP and the AD to have that conversation. Like for the AD to be like, you know, I super want you to get what you want, but we'll just have that little communication about time and stuff. Because I worked with Oliver before we did Party Stories. Yeah. And then I had a really good experience, so I recommended Oliver for Party Stories. Yep. And then that's why you were on the show. And then it was just a simple conversation to get things done. Exactly. Exactly. Like, as... You you want to you want to have a good relationship with your DP and be able to just like bounce off one another and figure out what's going to be happening because as the AD you have to know what's happening if you're if you're ever if you're ever a first I'm just going to say this if you're ever a first AD and there's a moment of you realizing I have no idea what's going on right now you need to fix that right away um, you I've need- had that as a DP. But then I just look to the AD and then he'd help me. So. <laughs> exactly. You're you're the one on set where everyone should be able to look for you and say, that guy knows what's going on. I'm going to ask him. Because yeah. mm-hmm. um, you don't want them to ask the director because the director has bigger stuff to worry about. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, try to, try to talk to your DP early on. And this is the great thing about pre-production meetings is these can, conversations can happen early on and the DP and the AD can work up a rapport. Mm-hmm. So when they get to set, it's not something you have to work out on the fly when it's stressful and things have to happen. Um, because, it, like, the, the DP might not... You might say sort of we only have time for... Like, we only have time for, like, two more takes on this mm-hmm. and they might say it's going to take what it's going to take mm-hmm. but it's like we only have time for two more takes on this or we have to move on to the next scene mm-hmm. yeah um so try to try to try to work with your 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 dp in advance and maintain a good relationship and figure out how they like to work if they're the kind of dp and i've worked with one dp like this who doesn't follow block light shoot and you try to persuade them to follow block light shoot and they don't, and you're still in pre-production, this is drastic, but you should talk to the director and get a new DP. Mm. Because if you have a DP that isn't going to follow this super reliable formula for making uh, making a set efficient, then 
He's literally holding up everyone. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's it's making everyone else's life a misery, and going back to earlier, it's gonna kill morale. Yeah. Um, and it might not happen right away, but slowly but surely, over the course of however many days you're shooting, that morale is just gonna dip and dip and dip and dip because they'll see this inefficiency and they'll see how things are falling behind and falling through the cracks, and it's. It's just gonna. Uh, well, you're gonna have a problem on your hands. Yeah. I think, even for me, like working with a, a cinematographer, for example, I'd always pick someone who's more about like having a good experience with the people that he's working with, rather than so super hyper focused on having beautiful images. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, you know, they're nice images, but you're gonna fucking hate that experience. So whenever you see what you shot, you're like, God. You know, it'll be kind of a regret. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it looks great, but I'll never do that again. I'll never want to do that again. And yeah, it could be like it looks great on this wide, but the reason it looks so great is we only had time to do a wide. I had seventeen <laughs> other shots planned, and that's all we got. Exactly. Like, find find someone you can collaborate with, yeah. and who can collaborate with other people. Because if you can, if the times are tough, and you can have that five-minute sideline conversation and work out what's going to happen in the next hour, that, that huge. it's so invaluable. Because, uh, again, this, this DP who wouldn't follow block light shoot would try to have those conversations. And it was uh, just... This, this person just had such an idea in their mind of how things were going to go and wasn't open to working... Mm-hmm. with someone to find the best solution because right. they thought they already had the best solution. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Film's a collaboration, not a dictatorship. Exactly. It's the most collaborative art. As much as people look at a set and see an AD and they can look like a dictator, you're a facilitator. Exactly. You're facilitating the events so that things can things can just happen. That's what the F and... And FAD is facilitator assistant, right? <laughs> Gonna go get my fad right now. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so uh, let's just touch on it real quick. You touched on what you do when you're on time, when you're not on time. What do you do in the off chance that you have more time? Because I assume the last thing you want to do is be like, oh, we got more time. We don't need to worry about anything. Oh yeah, and just let it go to shit. Here's here's the thing. Yeah, if you finish, if you finish uh, early, if you finish early. There may be there may be times where you finish early and the best thing to do is to send everyone home because everyone's tired need and a couple more hours of they sleep. need a couple more hours of sleep or a couple more hours of turnaround time. But there might be if you finish and you've got extra time, have a quick powwow with with your keys and figure out like what else can we get here? Mm-hmm. What else can we can we put in here to just it's it's your time to play. Right. It's your time because you have everything you need. You can you can you can just have just have fun and whatever you get here, it's for the fun of it. It's yeah. not just because we need this or we don't have a movie. Right. And in that in that time, people's creativity can just flourish, and yeah. you don't you don't have to worry about getting on people's cases as much because it's sort of like just it's free. Yeah, yeah, because it's it should be fun to make movies. It should <laughs> it should be fun to make movies, and a lot of the time it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if you do have that opportunity to just let people let people play, 
Let them play. Let them play. Yeah. Mm. Um, cool. Do, but, would yeah. you recommend um, sticking to that part of the film, or would you attempt to shoot an extra scene that was maybe for tomorrow? That's that's another thing. If you finish early, if you missed a scene earlier, you can steal that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all very dependent on how much time I guess. Well, yeah, how much time right exactly? It's like is is the scene you want to capture at that location, or is it an hour away in Delta? Do you have the right actors? Do you have the makeup you need? True. So when you think about scene stealing, um, really like be be conscious of take take like. 10, 20 minutes to just think through what are the things I need for this scene mm-hmm. and is it worth it to try and steal it with the extra two or three hours I have today? True. Because maybe an actor might want to rehearse that later. Or or it might be that there's certain prop elements that you don't have that could create a continuity error mm-hmm. later on. Um, or you might just not be able to plan out the scene and shoot it so that you have the time to get all the shots you want from it or something like that. I worked on a project recently where we had missed a scene, which was um, a pretty big emotional climax with, it was one actor in a car and she was just going through a huge emotional moment and the producer wanted to steal it at the end of the day. Um, And power was a big issue. They managed to find power and they managed to find that, but they only got a couple shots from it and for such a weighty emotional moment, mm. um, I, I I worry that it unfortunately won't read as well on camera. And even though on a technical level they have the scene, mm-hmm. it may not be didn't give them the time. The right performance. Yeah, it might be. It might not be. I think the performances the the actor did a great job in the performance, right. but from on the technical side, just the capturing of that performance may not have been the best it could be. So. Right. That's something also to talk to because the producer, maybe more than the director, will be the one who is sort of pushing you to to get these scenes because the producer is the one who's gotten the money and the money is on the line. And ask yourself, well, this is a scene with like two characters in a park. Mm -hmm. This isn't hard to pick up. Mm -hmm. So which gets into pickups. Um... Pickups are when there may be certain things that you didn't capture uh, during principal production, or there may be a scene where you get to editing and you're watching it and it doesn't work at all, and you need it, you can't cut it, you have to go and do a pickup. And so there, there may be some scenes where they're, they're perfect scene stealers, like it's the end of the day, and like, yeah, we can pick up the scene where Frank has to go grab something from his car. Um, but it's like, oh, this is the scene where uh, uh, Dean has to confess his love to Angela in the pouring rain. It's like, well, do we have rain? Do we have a rain machine? <laughs> like, do, like, can we set these things up? True. And does Dean feel ready to confess? Exactly. Like, <laughs> as your actor, do you have Dean's wardrobe? Exactly. Is like, uh, like, and in the rain, it's going to take a lot of time to reset. So. Angela's like the tears streaking down Angela's makeup yeah. like that's something you're gonna need to fix and maybe redo every time yeah so sometimes it's good to just call it a day. sometimes it's good to just call it and say this is something that we really want to plan out and do well and want to do another day okay if you've scheduled properly you hopefully won't be put in those situations but that that happens yeah yeah okay all right, so in terms of party stories, like the first we've talked about before, the first few days went off 
pretty well. We didn't have that many problems, a little bit of rain, a little bit of juggling, nothing crazy. But midway through, someone got pretty sick. Yeah. So we rearranged a bunch, and that was largely thanks to you. So tell them how we did that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's something that can really shoot you in the foot and you have to work around is when an actor for one reason or another, is unable unable to perform as scheduled. And so you have to... Uh, and this was, this was, this was interesting because we were on set in the middle of shooting and I had to sit, set aside and figure this stuff out. But um, I had to... And we were lucky because we were pretty much all in, in Matt's house. So yeah. rescheduling around it was fortunately not too difficult. Locations-wise. Locations-wise. Yeah. Um, but because this actor wasn't available for the scenes as planned, there had to be, we, we had to juggle a lot of different scenes. And when other actors were available and we're having to talk to people and say, can you come in at this time instead of this time? And figuring that out on the fly, uh, was, was, a, a fun, fun little challenge. <laughs> Just, uh, making, making all that work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we got it, which was... What do you think was great. the biggest benefit to you in making that happen? Um, I would say uh, the fact that, like, uh, with with Party Stories uh, on micro budget, you guys had set it up in such a way where I didn't necessarily need to be there all the time yeah. to, to, like, I, I could go away and make those things, make those things happen. Um, and... Uh, there will be a lot of situations as an AD where you do have to take care of stuff, but the set won't run without you. But on Party Stories, it was set up in such a way that I could go away and take the 20 minutes, mm-hmm. half an hour it took to reshuffle the schedule and and do it in such a way that we could actually function for the next couple <laughs> days. Um, because obviously you can't just shoot a scene if an actor isn't there. I mean, I think... They've done it, but though those are situations where there's a lot of money and a yeah. lot of time that goes into planning shooting around someone not being there, and that though that might be a situation where there's like a stand-in that can be the back of someone's head or sure. something like that. But when you're on a micro budget, you don't necessarily have all the time, money, and resources to make something like that, where you you don't have a perfect back of the head double, <laughs> or or a great wig you can throw on the director. Would you say that was the most challenging part of the shoot for you? Like doing that little juggle there? Uh, I would say probably. Okay. That was probably the most challenging. Uh, it was the, the, the company move was, uh, was, a, was, a, was a fun one. Yeah. We went to, that was Roy's house, right? Yeah, Roy's house. Yeah, it's such a shame that we cut that out of the final film too because we put so much work into getting <laughs> I know, I know. I was always going up to church. You guys, guys, good to go. It's like, Need more dive over. Okay, go back, go back downstairs. <laughs> we took a while on that scene. I remember just the setup. Super took a while. improv because we didn't even have that location till like the day of or the yeah. day before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, here's one for you. Uh, we shot a sex scene in this movie. So talk about how you control a set during something like that. So uh, even though I was not there for specific said sex scene, I think mm-hmm. that was uh, Shannon that day. Um, I have worked on like a bunch. Of, the first, the first thing I ever AD'd, it was this very, um, very sensitive scene of where it was uh, two women just post something mm-hmm. in lingerie on a bed, and 
right there, your first concern is maintaining the actor's uh, dignity, dignity, yeah. dignity, because they're there in a very, very sensitive position. Mm-hmm. Like this, this is something you should be trying to maintain across the board because a lot of the time the actors are putting their emotions on the line so you can make this project but then this goes further that they're exposing themselves physically and some people are very comfortable with that a lot of people aren't and so you you're very vulnerable you're super vulnerable it's like you're practically naked it's like the most most vulnerable you can be and in this situation is the first day that you want to maintain a closed set where anybody who doesn't have to be there should not be there uh if you can like strip down the crew Take people out. Not literally strip them down. Just no, away. That's that's not a strategy I've ever heard of. Is where the whole crew is naked, <laughs> so the actors Just feel comfortable. comfortable yeah. yeah. You gotta be here. You gotta be naked. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, even more uncomfortable people. Um, but. Uh, just make, making it as, as few people in the room as possible, uh, so that the actors aren't worried about some some grip staring at their ass while they're yeah. while they're like trying like to deliver a, a really genuine performance. Like pushing the stereotype of like grips and electrics to be like just like dudes who are like disgusting people. <laughs> I, I actually well I know I know some I know some like some amazing women who work in grip and LX, but I mean they're. Sometimes the stereotype can be can be a bit true. I was uh, a while ago PAing on Flash, and had uh, and we were working in Britannia Mines, where there's like all those levels, and um, mm. if you've never seen it, it's like insane in there and very dangerous. Yeah. But I I managed to find the Grip LX drinking spot where they on <laughs> on set were were drinking. Uh, we're just like went off and had like a bunch of beer cans and stuff and um, personally and I'm sure this applies to <laughs> pretty much every AD across, AD across the board no one should be drinking on set yeah no. that's it ever no I mean if you've got <laughs> actors they should be consuming something other than out al- like there's plenty of fake yeah. alcohol substitutes that can make <laughs> up in that and as I just as a rule if I if I'm ever ADing something and someone's drinking on set, they're getting chucked off set. They're yeah. they're fired because that like if 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 it's if you're rapping and someone's like, hey, like some po- some rap beers, like that's a little different. That's different because you sort of finish for the day and it's like a bit of an end of the day reward. But if you should no one should be consuming anything other than coffee. Or water. No. Yeah. Coffee or water or food, like make food and things like that to keep you going through the day is great, but Illicit substances. Uh, I'm not. I'm not judging for anybody for anything they do on their own time. But yeah. if you're on my set, you're not drinking. You're not drinking. You're not taking anything. It's a good rule because I think really like sometimes, at, maybe an actor will try it for like effect, but really it slows down the process so much. Yeah, and uh, as for for directors out there, if an actor is really keen on like, no, I think if I'm drunk, it'll really deliver a great performance. Uh, you should really discourage them because in editing, if they're slurring and things <laughs> like that, between and it's not what you're acting is slurring, they're actually slurring. <laughs> they like great, they slurred, but like half of their dialogue is unusable. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, 
no consumption of illicit stuff yeah. on on set. Uh, Please. Um, but, um, sorry, went off on a huge tangent. Whatever. That's it's important right. though. It is important. Don't yeah, get fucked up. In the world said. of like indie film, people will be like, "It's indie. Let's just we'll do this." And it's like, no, we have to still, still have professional. Some, exactly. Some standards. Yeah. Exactly. On the set of party stories, like, oh. was there anything else that happened that was a challenge for you that you know you had to get a little creative overcoming or anything like that? Um. Well, I will say one thing that I was one thing that I was uh, was worried about was the. Uh, the vases with like yeah. playing golf playing golf and smashing the vases because uh that's something that can only be repeated so many times yes we talked about this uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that, and that's something that you'll be that's something that you'll find out in your script breakdown in pre-production if there are these set pieces that can only be replicated x number of times and that's something that you have to factor in time for because if if something can only be done once, then you, you should make sure you're getting it. You have to get it right, and that might mean you're making sure there are extra cameras. Like if there's a on big budget movies, if there's a big explosion, there's probably like twenty cameras, 20 cameras rolling on that <laughs> because they want every option available because they're not going to blow something up twenty times. Yeah. Uh, so that's it. Yeah, when we, when we were smashing the vases, I was I was just like, oh, man. I was I was like, oh, please, please go well. But I talked to Matt about it. and I talked to Latif about it, and yeah, I know it, it turned out and came came across really well on in the that movie. note. Were you you must have been there when one of the actors accidentally accidentally broke one of the vases, right? Yeah. What was going through your head right then? God damn it! <laughs> I was I was. I, that was that was a moment of uh, of just like twenty percent of our vases are now gone. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I already I'm I'm someone who is known for sighing, and I mean nothing by it. I just like it's I just like let out breath that happens yeah, to be. It's like it's a true disappointment. <laughs> this was like a genuine like. <sighs> God damn it! Um, and. Yeah. No, even it was funny. Even in the even in the credits and seeing me in the credits, I was like doing a little shake of my head or something <laughs> like that. Like that is that is something else you'll see is like the 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 dis disaffected, annoyed AD just going oh, these God. these goddamn people. Uh, but uh, I yeah, I think that that was something that sort of I was I was like I was ready to be like oh man like this is not gonna go well. But no no, it went off went off super well. We were super prepared yeah. uh, and. I did, and that was something I also factored in time for. Is like we needed to pick up all the shards of, the, of these vases afterwards. In pitch black. In pitch black darkness. Um, which yeah, was that was one thing I wanted to touch on. I think it's kind of interesting because I think a good AD will take care of something like this. Personally, I really don't like gossip on set or actors and, and crew yeah. just like not scheming being on the same team yeah so like how do you deal with that as an AD when you see it or hear it really you want to make sure everyone feels heard and if you see things like that you want to nip those concerns in the bud mm -hmm. and say but that's, that's the biggest thing make sure, making sure people feel that they're heard and someone is trying to fix this or take care of that problem because nothing is more frustrated on a film set than seeing something go wrong right. repeatedly and not be addressed. Right. Um, and you won't be able to fix every problem. Yeah. And 
but you you have to you have to try your best to make sure that people people aren't putting their energy into uh, their annoyance at something. Sure. Uh, you, you make sure they're trying to corral their energy into just doing the best job that they can. If you are feeling overwhelmed and you're feeling frustrated, having an outlet for that is very is, is very very valuable. But making sure that it's the right outlet. Yeah. If you're frustrated and the DP is driving you mad or like people keep screwing up, like don't go complaining to every single other person other person <laughs> like because that that said something that's not very good for you because then everyone's just like oh this guy's complaining all the time doesn't do anything about it mm-hmm. um like vent your frustrations to very specific people there there was one set where uh first day we worked a 14 hour day sex, second day was a 16 hour day it was in uh like not very pleasant conditions like cold there was no heat there was no power and uh again a situation of where uh a a deep (laughs) dp was taking his time with stuff and oh man i remember there was a point where we were like looking at something and the frame looked fine like we could have shot it and he was like oh there's this little thing i can't have that and i was just like hubris (laughs) and we shot a 14 hour day the first day a 16 hour day the next day and People were not happy, and I told the director as much, but again, you can only do so much, but on the drive home, every day, I would be on the phone with my girlfriend saying, like, oh, this day. (laughs) Shakes fist. (laughs) Shakes fist uh, at passing cars, but not at them. Um, uh, And so corralling corralling that that frustration is something that is, is very important, because if you let that fester... And you don't find find some kind of safe outlet for it. Yeah, it's just gonna grow and grow. Exactly. It it you you might have a freak out, and it's not for a valuable reason. Yeah. You might have a freak out because someone has like some someone like dropped a cupcake on the set. It's like okay, that's not good. Like, but not but, the world. but like if people haven't been dropping cupcakes for like. If people haven't been dropping food all over the set, it's just like this is the first time that that's happened. You shouldn't tear that person's head off. You'd be like, hey, no, no, like food on set. No food on set. Yeah. That's something you should establish in the safety meeting. Mm-hmm. But just say no food on. Like, come on, come on, Frank. Like, I'd, just I'd be really like upset if someone did that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be like, what? Are you, like, why are you eating a cupcake on set in the first place? <laughs> Crafty <laughs> sometimes Plus has like cupcakes. Wasted a cupcake. I know. <laughs> eat the cupcake. Eat the cupcake. <laughs> that takes up too much time. Take somewhere else to eat it. Um, but uh, yeah, having 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 an, having a, a safe uh, outlet for those frustrations is is also gonna make your job easier. Here's a question for you. Yeah. Have you ever? Well, I don't know if I want to ask you that directly, but... Is we can cut ever, it out later. Is, is there ever a situation as a first AD where it's just like, I can't work on this set, and you kind of like have that moment? But it's not because like you can't take the stress because it's maybe just not the right like fit for you or anything like that? Um, well, I mean, I definitely, I definitely worked on a couple sets where, uh, where people were not... Uh, not organized and um, and <laughs> funnily enough these were always 
in situations where I wasn't brought on early, I didn't have time to get to know the crew, right. um, and there were a lot of things that we could have worked out in advance that didn't get worked out in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, these are situations uh, where I was getting frustrated, and but it, you should never. I mean, you should really try to avoid um, throwing in the towel and leaving. On set. On set. Yeah. Because if you walk out... Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like you've, you've left, you've left the, 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 the production in the lurch. Mm-hmm. They have to scramble and find a new first AD. Yeah. Um, and really the, the best thing that you can do is just say like, you know what? I know that I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to work with these people again, yeah. or I'm not going to work with X person. And if I see their name on it, I'm going to say, okay. I've worked with this person. You maybe should avoid them. Mm-hmm. I know from my experience, I really don't want to work with them because they're difficult to work with. Right. Because it might be that things are really frustrating mm-hmm. and you're having a really tough time. Mm-hmm. Um, but and you feel like what you're doing isn't having an effect and it might just the the producer the director or various people on the set might be seeing that you're doing the best job you can and you're doing a good job in spite of the circumstances but if you if you quit then they're like okay if the going gets tough they're they're gonna leave Yeah. yeah um and if you power through at the end, you'll people will say it's like that was really tough. You did a great job mm-hmm. getting through it. I've never, I've never walked off a set mm-hmm. because I was frustrated with someone. Mm-hmm. I've always marched through. Yeah. yeah, you just have to, you just have to say to yourself, "I'm not working with this person again." And once we're done this show, I don't have to work with them again. Yeah. Um, if you do have genuine, genuine concerns about about someone's performance. You should go to the director or the producer and say, I know it's a lot of work, but it might be to your benefit to try and find someone to replace this person. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, for the benefit of the show. For the benefit of the production. Yeah. And and if, if it's a situation of you and the person aren't meshing, it might be that you just have to work through it and try and find something. Yeah. Because it might be they do a great job and they, they're really good at what they do and you just aren't clicking. Mm-hmm. And you just need to try and work around that and push through yeah. and find the find the best situation. So if you're a Pisces and there's a, a Virgo on set. Just, just the opposite sides of the set. Distance. Draw a line in the middle. <laughs> oh, I'm a Pisces. I, I guess I should find out who the Virgos are at the first production meeting. That I, I just Virgo? made that up. <laughs> okay. I don't know if those ones have any issues, but... <laughs> who knows? Virgos may be my best friend. Yeah, in terms of walking off the set, like, I've never done it. Have you done it? No, I've never walked off set. I've, always, I've been on uh, shoots where halfway through I was like, I probably wasn't the right guy for this, mm-hmm. but I'm going to finish it anyways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember we were on that set one time and the director walked off on the last shot. Do you remember this? We, no. we don't want to say the name right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, in that circumstance, do what Oliver's saying. Like, especially if you're that close. We had like a half hour left and this guy just had a meltdown and left. And now, regardless of how di- good he did before that, in your mind, everyone's like, well, we don't want to work with that guy again. He left. Quit, yeah. And there was like 30 minutes left, right? Like sometimes it's just better to power through it. You know, having said that, if there's like a human's rights violation or something oh, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. then no. different story. But yeah, yeah, if they're doing something like cruel and awful on set, then 
then I'd walk away. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, totally. If it's a matter of where it's just professional differences, like yeah. you're having a tough time working with them, that's one thing. If people are being harassed, abused, yeah. Yeah. Um, story. That, that is a completely different situation. Also, as the first AD, you're the one who is responsible for safety yeah. of every kind on the set mm-hmm. and emotional so too, yeah. emotional yeah. emotional safety and if if someone is really giving the crew um a tough time then you you need to nip that in the bud with that first project that i was talking about that i worked on where those girls were in lingerie unfortunately i didn't find out about this until afterwards but one of the guys on the crew like went up to set up something in the room and he as he walked out he did like a little whistle or made some kind of comment mm-hmm. Um, don't do that. Don't, no, never. You should never ever do that because if you did and I was there and I saw you, you would be fired, yelled at and thrown off that set. Yeah. And if I saw you on, on something, I would make sure you would not be on it because you're not respectful of other people and their boundaries. Yeah. Don't um, be a dick basically. Yeah. Follow yeah. Wheaton's law. Don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, this is uh by far our longest episode. Yeah, so sorry, I'm. I, so, I, no, no, I'm, it's all good. Great. I'm long spoken. Say, um, any like final thoughts or pieces of advice you have for people going out there and being a first AD on a feature? Um, if you're being a first AD, thing number one, ask ask questions. Ask as many question any question you can think of. It's not a dumb question because if you're not sure about it, uh and someone asks you that very question, you can't give them an answer, and that is that is a signal to them that you're not on top of everything and you're not ready. So I guess as a first AD, like when you're asked something, you never want your answer to be, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it is inevitable there will be at least one question that you say, I don't know, but you, you need to you need to reassure that person, I'm gonna find this out and I'm gonna get back to you and, and yeah. answer it for you. Yeah. So, just ask ask questions of your director of of anybody because you need to know what what is happening. Yeah. So if you're not experienced, ask questions. If you're not if you're very experienced, still ask questions. Yeah. You should always be asking questions. So I would say so always ask questions. Always keep in your mind why aren't we shooting right now? And sometimes there are genuine reasons why you can't be shooting. Mm-hmm. And try to manage that manage 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 that all right time for my end rant hey you can do this yeah okay this is for the dps out there from from another dp to you stop being so selfish (laughs) no one cares about your demo reel they care about your character your footage might look good but if you're a piece of shit then you're not gonna get hired so if you worry about like the actual production and shooting something really good having a good relationship with the director and the director's really happy with what you're giving him Eventually, your work is going to get better as well. So don't focus so much on the beautiful image in the beginning. Worry about like having good relationships with other people. Eventually, the technique and all the skill will come to you. And I think that's really what we need to work uh, work on as DPs, like going into the industry. I think it's a good lesson for anyone. Like I've, I've I know I told you this when I hire people. Like I would always rather hire someone that's seven out of ten in what they do but yeah. 10 out of 10 in nice guy and they want to do it compared to guy who's 10 out of 10 good at what he does but he's a fucking dick and I gotta drag him through everything yeah like that 7 out of 10 guy or girl 
that really wants to be there and wants to learn, they're going to be 10 out of 10 one day. One day, exactly. And if you start hiring them now, and, like, they'll even probably get to 10 out of 10 while on your set, hire them instead of the dickhead. Yeah. Don't work for dickheads. There you go. Yeah. Right. Because you know what? Dickheads, like... Being, being good will only take you so far. There are only so many dickheads who can afford to be at the top. And they're the best dickheads. <laughs> they are. Well, maybe not the best at being dickheads, but they're the best in the world at what they do. And, and they're dickheads. dickheads. Exactly. And dickheads. So, unless you're there, you gotta be nice. You gotta be nice. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. All right. We'll see you later.